wonderful name, that name of Jesus. It is, it is our protection, it is our strength, it is our hope in times of trial and disappointment. That name of Jesus is a name that, that we should always remember. And we should always remember the power and strength that it has in our lives. If you are going through a difficult time, do not forget the name of Jesus. And you might say, what is, what is it to just say a name? Well, that name gives hope. That name inspires us. And that name reminds us of all the promises and good that God has already given and done for us. And so, always remember that beautiful name. Now, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10. We're getting back into Daniel. Um, and we're going to be talking about being prepared for battle. Now, what, what battle? Well, obviously, there's more than just what's going on that we can see. If we believe in you know, a supernatural God that, that, is, that is beyond the, the heavens, He is beyond anything that we can see, we have to understand that there are things going on in those realms that we cannot see. You know, being prepared for a situation is a great feeling. Being prepared makes you feel happy because something comes up and you reach into your pocket and you've got what you need or you reach into your bag and you've got what you need or, or whatever it is. But being unprepared is an awful situation. It, it, it is a situation where you, you, you're just, you feel helpless even though you know what to do. There's been times, oh, if I just had a screwdriver, I'd be ready. I could help somebody with this. Or if I just had this or if I just had that, I'd be ready. But if you, if you don't have... That what you need, if you're not prepared, it's, a, it's an awful feeling. I do have kind of this recurring thing for me um, where I wake up, and maybe y'all don't have to do this, but I have to tell myself what day it is, and then from that, what do I have to do? And I have this awful feeling that I tell myself the wrong day. And so I tell myself it's Saturday when it's Sunday, or I tell myself it's you know, Sunday when it's Monday or Tuesday or, or whatever, and I get, I get confused and I'm not prepared. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not doing what I need to do. You know, they, they're wondering, well, why, why didn't he show up today? Well, I thought it was Saturday. And, and I just have this terrible feeling that that's going to actually happen one day, and then I, I'll just be unprepared. When we go into this life as Christians, uh, I think that, that because maybe when we start, we start on this, this high a lot of times, this excitement of Jesus and, 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 and we're learning about Jesus. And yes, I do believe that the Lord protects new Christians as we learn to pray and we learn to read his word and we grow in him. But there does come a time where things begin to be challenging. It's almost as if if you were prepared to, to go to you know, a, a beautiful picnic. Y'all may, may have noticed last Sunday I was a, a little, I wasn't embarrassed, I was really sunburned. Um, so two weeks ago on Monday we went to a track meet. Well, I knew that was an outside thing, but it was like 70 degrees and I didn't think anything about it and I got burned. I mean, my, my face was as red as it is, well, I guess as it gets. Um, I wasn't prepared. So we had another track meet this week and I wore one of these really big hats. And I didn't look very cool, but I didn't get my head sunburned again. And so being prepared is, is important. If you think that you're going for a leisurely thing and it turns into hard work, you may not be prepared. And so I think a lot of times as Christians, we might walk into this world and we're surprised by the difficulty. We're surprised by the challenges. We're surprised by the resistance and we weren't really prepared. And so 
that's what this, that, that's what the heartbeat of this message is, is us getting prepared and staying prepared for the fight that we're going to have, that we're going to be in. So the sermon in the sentence is this. Spiritual battles are waged just out of our sight. We must trust God and be prepared for the fight. Now, what I mean by spiritual battles, um, th- there's, there's a lot that goes on that we, that we don't see, but probably you, you've, you've been in a situation in the past where, whether it be you or somebody else, but you don't respond or they don't respond anything like you thought they were going to respond. So either you get really angry and you didn't think you were supposed to get angry about that or, or, or you just try to do something kind and nice and somebody gets really angry and it's turned way up. Well, they may have something going on in their lives, but there is also a whole different level of influence that happens. And if you're trying to work toward maybe telling somebody about the Lord or just do a good deed and let righteousness show, well, that's going to rile up the other powers. That's going to rile up the enemy and they're going to try to resist that. And so sometimes the resistance that you see and you think, that's the last time I'll ever help them, it wasn't even them. It was ultimately those powers that were trying to stop that good thing from happening. So there are, there are, there are fights going on that sometimes we don't see, and we've got to be ready for those things. So let's look at what happened to Daniel. So this is Daniel chapter 10. Um, I'm going to read Daniel chapter 10 verse 1 all the way through chapter 11 verse 1 just to kind of get us as much context as we can in this. Okay, so it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. So just so you know, the, these first, this first verse was, is an introduction to the last three chapters. So it says the, the, the next three chapters are, or the final chapters of Daniel. So what he says here is actually covering more than what we will cover this morning. He's just, he's just saying it all because we don't get a whole lot of vision in this chapter, but we do get the setup for that vision. Okay, so in verse 2 it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three weeks, or for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man was clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Upaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the visions, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision." And no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face on the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now... I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up, trembling. 
Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for the first for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty one days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Okay, so let's get a little background so that we know what's happening during this timeline. So it says in verse 1, it talks about the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, he issued a decree allowing the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to begin to rebuild the holy city. Now, we know that they went. We know that there, there's more details. You can, you can see those in other books of the Bible where they are given safe passage. They are even given some, some substance to, to go along with that. So they get to Jerusalem. They begin to build. They build the, the altar of the temple. And then they begin to struggle because when God says he's going to strip a land and make it barren, he does. And so they were struggling to, to meet the basic needs of life. And they found that they had enemies on all sides around them. And so they stopped work on the temple. And actually it was like 15 years before they started back um, working on the temple at that time. And so what we understand is, is that the Jews that were almost like living vicariously through those that did go uh, back to Jerusalem, they heard this bad news that work had stopped, that, that they were having trouble surviving. And, and that would be why Daniel finds himself in a period of fasting and mourning because he, um, he knows that they have, they have stopped. They're not doing what they were able to do. So he was going through this time of, of, fast, uh, of fasting. So it, it, it's, it's like the Jews when they first received that decree. 70 years you've been exiled. 70 years Jerusalem has laid empty and, and desolate. And now you get to go back. It is a lot like us when we are first saved, when we become Christians. We, we feel that we can face anything. Everything is fresh and new and exciting. And then we meet that opposition. So for them, they felt like everything kind of began to fall apart um, and they faced challenge after challenge. It began to be difficult for them. 
So, as Christians, we know that this would lead us to disappointment. This would begin to kind of let us down. We know that this would begin to make us think that, 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 that we may not be able to, to stand. And some Christians, once they face something like this, they do walk away, at least from actively following Christ in their lives. We must be prepared for these kinds of challenges uh, because whether we recognize it or not, we are in a great conflict. And so that's what, that's what the angel comes to tell Daniel. There is a great conflict. Notice what he says here. He says, um, and uh, word was revealed to Daniel further in verse 1, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict. There is a great battle going on. And so... What this vision is going to show us is that Satan has deployed his armies to direct the kingdoms of man. So there, there is a, we might as well call it a demon, that was influencing Persia. And, and, and what this angel references is that there, once, once the Persian goes down, there will be a new demon that is directing and influencing the kingdom of Greece. Now, doesn't that change the way that we look at some of these countries, even America? If we think that Satan has deployed his demons to direct them and to try to guide them. Now, we know that ultimately God's in control and God orders the affairs of man, but Satan is trying to influence these things. And so when we see things happen and it surprises us, like, why would they do that? What, what is driving them to want this? Maybe that is that influence of Satan that's working in that way. This is real spiritual warfare outlined in Scripture. So that's, that's what we have to understand, that this great conflict is happening. Okay, so Daniel goes into a time of, of mourning and fasting. And so he goes into this for three weeks, or he starts at three weeks. It doesn't say that he only planned to do this three weeks, but he starts with the new year. So this was not a total fast. Um, he stayed away from delicacies. He stayed away from meat and wine. Um, and so it was, a, it was a very slim diet, but it was, uh, it was, a, it was a fast. Also, um, he did not, it says he did not anoint himself. And you might think, well, whoop-de-doo. But what that means, because he lived in this dry, arid climate, there were certain lotions, oils, things that, that they did to kind of keep their skin moisturized. If you've ever been in a dry, arid place, the thing that I noticed, the thing that affected me, and I didn't know how to fix it, but after a little while, you start getting nosebleeds because you just kind of, you dry out. And we're used to a little bit of humidity here in the South Alabama. And so it's different when you go to where it's dry, your skin goes to drying out, everything goes to drying out. And so he was, he was his life was more difficult and it was on purpose. It was intentional. He wasn't like destroying his health and destroying his body, but intentionally he was making his life more difficult so that he would stay focused on what he was praying about. And we know that he was praying for the whole situation. He may not, and we've probably been in this situation too, he may not have even known what to ask. There are Jews in Jerusalem again. He asked for that and he got it. But they're not doing anything. They seem to, to be defeated. This, what would have been a source of joy for him is, 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 is now defeat. And so whatever he was asking for, he had humbled himself. He was seeking understanding from the Lord. Lord, you sent them there, but, but they're not having success. Why? What is going on? He humbled himself and he began to listen to the Lord. And so that is the, that is the first real takeaway for us when we are in a situation 
Do y'all understand what's going on in America today? I don't, not really. There, there's a lot that I don't quite understand where it's coming from, how it fits into the plan. There, there, there's, there's questions. So it would not be out of line for us to approach the Lord in the way that Daniel did and humble ourselves and seek understanding. If we want to be ready for the battle that, that, that is raging right now, we know this battle is raging. We, I, I believe we have seen supernatural forces at work way before coronavirus, but as we watch the way that, that everything kind of got manipulated and changed, I believe we've watched supernatural forces at work. There's hatred that doesn't even add up and doesn't make sense. There's been lies that should not have been believed, but they were believed. There's been a lot of things that's happened that, that is just beyond reason. And I believe that this is part of that spiritual warfare that's happening, and we need to be looking toward the Lord. So we need to humble ourselves. So this is a thing that we can take from Daniel's attitude of, of mourning, of, of, of grief, of prayer, of humility, of seeking that understanding. He did that, and it worked for him. Now, Daniel's, because of the, the, the Jewish calendar, Daniel's time of prayer and fasting lasted through the Passover. This is significant because the Passover was a celebration of God's deliverance. If you remember, God was going to deliver them from, from the, the, the slavery of Egypt. And so the Passover was this celebration, the reminder of the way that God delivered them. And Daniel fasted through that celebration. And so that lets, leads us to believe that in Daniel's mind, he was thinking that there needs to be a new deliverance. There needs to be, there needs to be a new thing to celebrate. And absolutely, he's right. He's a couple of hundred years ahead of his time, but he's absolutely right that there needs to be a new meaning and a new thing to celebrate around that Passover feast. And so he seems to be expecting some great deliverance. Now, Daniel himself was not one of the exiles that returned to Jerusalem. He was still in Babylon. He was still there, but he was, he was feeling the pain with them. He, he, was, he was joining in their sorrow, and he would have joined in their victories and joy if they'd have had that. And what that reminds us of is that, yes, there, there's a lot going on in the American church right now, and there's things that, that need our attention and certainly require our prayers, but all over the world, there are things going on. Report some of the things coming out of foreign countries right now, the way that, that Christians are being treated it is alarming. Um, and... You know, from American eyes, one of the things that's surprising is how easy it could be here. Um, th there's, there's a church in Canada that the city has literally built fences around the church. They had arrested the pastor, now they've built fences around the church because they refuse to close their doors. They refuse to stop meeting, so the city has taken on the expense of building fences around that church just to block them off. They're not killing them. They're not throwing stones at them, but I want to remind you what Jesus said. He said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things against you for my name's sake. He called that persecution, but two of them were verbal. Two of those things were verbal. And, and is the Christian church in America being persecuted in a verbal way? Absolutely it is. Every time people can try to make Christians look like they aren't what the Bible says we should be. And interestingly enough, the world knows more about what we should be and what we should believe than, than we do sometimes. But when, 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 they, when they can, they always do try to, try to point it towards us. They, they try to point it towards us and say that we are foolish or that we are misguided or that we are hypocrites. And so they want to say those things. 
and it works towards us not being received well when we actually try to preach the gospel. We don't need to be involved in anything but preaching the gospel, and that's one of the major problems that, that we have had. And so when we look at the struggles of churches here, the struggle of Christians here, the struggle of Christians around the world, it absolutely warrants the kind of response that Daniel had when the Jews were struggling. It is a prayer, is a, a, a fasting, depriving ourselves of some things in order to, to focus on the Lord during that time. When we are dedicated to the causes of the Lord all over the world, He will hear our prayers and send deliverance wherever it's needed. God will do that. When we're praying for what we personally want and need, that's one thing. But when we're praying for the same causes that God has all over the world, He is hearing those prayers. Those are the prayers that, that, that are answered. Those are the prayers when God says, greatly loved are you, because we are looking at the same thing He's looking at. Okay, so the bulk of this passage, actually, or not the bulk, but a good portion of it describes this angel. And so a lot of people, as we look at God's holiness and glory as it's revealed in this angel, a lot of people want to immediately say, well, this angel's got to be Jesus before, because we read the way he's described. You go look in Revelation, you see the angel described the same way, or you see Jesus described in, with some of the same features and things like that, and you look in Ezekiel, same description. Um, but when we look at this angel, the angel himself says that I was going to do something, I was prevented, I needed help from Michael to, to get it done. This doesn't seem to be Jesus, but why, why does he look the way that he does? Well, he was in very close proximity with God. And so uh, that glory that's radiating off of him, the, 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 the voice, the, the, the luminescence of the skin, the clothing, everything about that, that may be the reflection of the glory of God off of this angel. Remember, Moses, the people had to ask Moses to wear a veil because he, the glory of God was radiating off of him when he was in God's presence. And so it's very likely that that's what this is. It seems extremely unlikely that this particular messenger is Jesus. This is a messenger. This is an angel. He names another angel, Michael. But what we do see is that he is saying something about God in his appearance, or his appearance says something about God. Two things specifically. The glory of God is represented in this angel. When we see the glorious appearance, the glorious power of this angel, we can see that he is a reflection of an even greater glory of God. Again, with the world, it is a lessening of God. It's always, it's always a diminishment of God, whether it be intentional, um, like obvious, or, or whether it be something subtle, there's always a lessening of God. Is God our friend? Yes. But before He is our friend, He is our maker. He is, he is our redeemer. He is, he is sovereign. He is the Lord. And so we need to remember the greatness and the glory of God. And, and that's one of the things when we see this messenger... If God can send a messenger like that, then how is God? He is greater. He, he is more amazing and more powerful than even that. So when Daniel's standing on the Tigris River, he sees the, the angel. He sees the messenger. The others can't even see that. They're terrified. They run away. Daniel falls down on his face. When we look at this example, again, we have to look at God and what it says about Him. 
This world minimizes him. This world says what God can do and what God can't do. Even the church kind of sometimes puts God in a box. Not only is God glorious, but the other thing we see in this angel is that God is holy. This angel is different than anything Daniel had ever seen. And God is separate and different than anything that we have ever seen otherwise. And not only is God holy, but he is passionate about the holiness of his people. And we can get that just from looking at God and seeing his holiness and seeing how he has acted towards sin and how he has acted towards the, the righteousness of his people when it is there. Look at how God acted toward the righteousness of Daniel. He responded. He sent an angel. He sent an answer. He sent a message. Look at how God responds to sin. He had to send his own son to pay the price for that. So we can understand this. God is glorious. He is all-powerful. But he is also very, very serious about our holiness. You know, the world would like for us to think that sin is inconsequential. But God has called us to an entirely different kind of life. There is no inconsequential sin. There is nothing that is minor, that is little. One way to lose a battle is to underestimate our enemies. But another way is to forget our own strategy. What gives us power? It is our connection to God. We are not strong enough to beat the enemies that we are facing, the powers, principalities, those things. We don't have that power. We don't have that strength. But we, with God, can win, can be victorious. So we cannot lose on this. We cannot forget our strategy. The, battle, the battles that we face are not in the realm of flesh and blood. We fight spiritual battles, and we must be spiritual warriors. We will not have power to fight this fight if we live in sin. Some of this probably echoes things that you have heard, that you know about in the New Testament, but I wanted to stick in the Old Testament just so you see that this has been the conversation for God's people all along, that they fight against these kinds of powers. Our God is glorious and holy. He expects us to live lives that reflect His glory and demonstrate His holiness to the world. We can't live lives of compromise. We can't live lives that don't point to Him because in that way we do more harm than we do good. Now what about the delay of this message? This angel said, I was, I was dispatched 21 days, I was delayed, then angel. So what, what, what about this? So although the Lord prepared an answer for Daniel as soon as he humbled himself and began to pray, that answer did not reach him for three weeks. So as the messenger begins to, to reveal this magnitude of the conflict that Daniel's going to face, he does lose strength. He kind of falls down and loses his voice, and it's only after um, the, the, the angel ministers to him that he actually can. Now, we know that the modern church faces obstacles, and I would suggest that there's all kinds of obstacles. Uh, there is the secular, secularization of the world. The, the world is much more secular. It is, it is much more scientific in some ways. It, it, is, it is much more emotional and emotion-driven. It is also much more self-centered. I mean, even if you, if you back up the, 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 the time machine 50 or 60 years, people were more about community and about each other than they are now. It, it has changed just that rapidly, just that quickly. Um, but when we look at it, we have those kinds of obstacles. We have those kinds of challenges. It, it, it's difficult to, to, to have a church and to have success in a church. There are those obstacles. But what I suggest to you is that there are obstacles that, if we can see these, there are obstacles that we absolutely cannot see. Things that, that are happening beyond. How, how do you explain, for example, when a, 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 a wind of false doctrine begins to breeze across the churches in America? That doesn't come from man. 
that would come from the enemy. And if we're not prepared to fight that fight, we don't even know that we've lost that fight. And that has happened in churches in America even to this day. So the amount of resistance that um, this world is placing in front of the church, I believe, pales in comparison to the amount of resistance that Satan is directly placing in front of us. And so here's what I would say about this angel being delayed. Can Satan delay the work and the will of God? I think we have to say yes based on what we see here. Can Satan prevent the work and will of God entirely? I think we have to say no. So Satan can slow things down. He can, he can add difficulties and complexities to what we have to do, but I do not believe that he can stop anything that God is, is going to do. You know, we don't just struggle against these powers in the world. We struggle against Satan. And yes, it can slow us down, but I don't believe it can stop us. Daniel thought that his situation was bad. He's in exile. Those that have been sent back, they're facing incredible obstacles. What he's beginning to learn from this messenger is that it's even worse than he thought. It's only after this messenger touches him, gives him strength that he's able to stand up. So we have to know the power of our enemy. We have to know what he can do. He can slow things down. He can throw trouble in the way. He can throw confusion. And that's, that's one of his, his, his best strategies. He throws confusion at the church. The church begins to argue with one another. And when we're looking at each other arguing about, you know, what role this person should have or, you know, what things we should be approving and accepting of, and, 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 and we're not preaching the gospel. And if we're not preaching the gospel, we're losing. We're missing out. We are losing the battle if we're not preaching the gospel. And the enemy will use anything. He will use absolutely anything. All he's got to do is deceive us. He does not have to defeat us, and he can't defeat us. But he can deceive us. He can trick us. All the way from the Garden of Eden, all the way through. If you look at the temptation of Christ, he wasn't trying to destroy Christ. He was just trying to trick him. If he tricks him, deceives him, it's over. And so that's what he was trying to do. And so this prince of Persia here can only delay the will of God. Satan can only delay the things, delay the things that God has declared. As we face the powers of this world and of the supernatural world, we must be aware that nothing can overcome the person who is in the center of the will of God. That is God's plan, and that's where he wants us. So how do we win a decisive victory? One thing, the victory of God's people is absolutely guaranteed, but the battle will be worse than anything we've ever imagined. Whatever you think the Christian life is like, it's going to be more difficult. That's, that's what we see here, that the conflict is bigger than what we imagine. We're outnumbered, we're surrounded, we're pressed on all sides, but we do not stand alone. That's the important thing that we have to recognize. This angel says, I'm going back. I'm going back to fight, struggle against the prince of Persia. When he goes away, I'm going to be struggling against the prince of Greece, and only Michael stands with me. But here's what we have to realize they still won. Although outnumbered, although surrounded, although overwhelmed, they did not lose. And it's because it was God's plan, it was God's will. We stand with the power of the Almighty God and with the salvation delivered to us by the finished work of Jesus Christ. We cannot be defeated. We can be delayed. We can be hindered. We can be confused from time to time, but we cannot be defeated. So we have to understand that the princes of this world will always be against the purposes of God. And not only must we resist them, but we have to understand that there is an entirely different power fighting against us as well. So, I believe that the countries of this world, 
Satan has almost organized and divided his army to direct things in these countries. They don't always get their way, but when they do, it is effective. It is effective to, to hinder what the, what, what, what the church does for a time. It is effective to slow down the spread of the gospel. Our role, our responsibility is to be prepared to, to pray, to study, to, to fast, to seek understanding, to know when this is a, a ploy of the devil and to speak out against it and, and to declare the gospel the way that it has always been declared. We must be prepared for this battle. We must study, we must pray, and we must serve as if our lives depend on it because I tell you that not only our lives but the lives of those who need to hear the gospel does. Never ever place your hope in the agencies of man because they will always be directed by the messengers of Satan. Never look to the United States government and say, I hope they do this. I've said that. I can't tell you how many times I've said that this year. We can't place our hope. We can't even let ourselves say that word when it doesn't mean what we think it means. We cannot hope in them. We cannot hope in the agencies of man because they will be influenced by the messengers of Satan. Our hope is in Jesus and the great victory that he has already won. That's probably the best part of this story. Are we in a battle? Absolutely we're in a battle. It is the fight of, of all time, but it's already been won. Jesus has already delivered the killing blow. Sometimes all the soldiers don't stop when, when, when the, even when they've lost. And the soldiers of Satan are still going, but at the cross, they lost. And we have to remember that. We stand victorious, or as victorious soldiers, marching against a defeated but dangerous enemy. Do not take what Satan does lightly. I have seen people laugh about sin. I've seen people joke about what the devil might do, the devil made them do, or all those kinds of things. It's, it's, it's no joke. It is a very serious matter. He is defeated, but he's still dangerous. But we stand with the Lord, and we stand as victorious soldiers because Jesus has won that battle. It's not a battle that we can win, and it is certainly a battle that we could, we could still suffer extreme losses in, but Jesus has won it. So... We don't need to give him the power. We don't need to give Satan the power that, that some places have given him. There have been governments. There have been churches. There have been groups of people that have given Satan power that he didn't deserve. He is a defeated enemy. Let us remember that and let us treat him that way. Let us be prepared for this battle that is going on all around us, whether we can see it or not. If we spend time in prayer, if we spend time in God's Word, and if we spend time serving the way we're supposed to, we're in the fight even though we can't see it. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for showing us a little bit about what's going on. Sometimes it's so confusing. Why do people do what they do? Why is evil so powerful? Why is sin so prevalent? Why does it seem that good always seems to be pushed back? Well, it is because we have enemies in this world and we have enemies in a world that we can't see. But you are fighting with us. Remind us of that always. Remind us to stand. Remind us to fight. Remind us to always stay prepared because, Lord, we need that. We need that reminder. Just as a military leader summons the power of his troops, I pray that you summon our power. Gather us together and let us know that we are in a fight. Our Lord and Commander Jesus Christ has won that fight, but we must continue to stand until the entire war is over. Help us to stand, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.